0: When I think back to the exhibition now, we only just got to do it barely by the skin of our teeth. COVID-19 was looming and there was talk of a student having tested positive in Trinity College, which was right beside Clare Street, where the exhibition was being held in what was Green's old bookshop. We couldn't find any sanitizer in any of the shops nearby for us to use, but Tony managed to get his hands on a spray for a ridiculous amount of money. But we all used it only now and then, when we remembered to. There was no sense of urgency as there is now to be using the hand sanitizer, and or if we were faced with the same shortage. It really was so nice to have so many of our peers and colleagues and friends, as well as people we had never met before, attending the opening night of the exhibition. A few people have said to us since that that was their last social outing before lockdown which is mad, really, when you think about everything that's happened in the meantime. Over the course of those three days that the exhibition was running, we had so many people stopping by that we knew, those we didn't, friends, family, colleagues, some people just walked in off the street. And a lot of the time, those were actually the best ones because they were just taken by surprise, what was there, just happened to be passing, thought they'd stick their head in and see. It was, it was nice. In general, there was a very overwhelmingly positive response to the exhibition itself. The look of it, which was especially thanks to Ruby and Connor and Design Factory, but mostly the feel of it and the stories that were being told by the people attending and also by the objects themselves. This is the Irish Global Solidarity in 100 Objects podcast, which is going to do just that. Tell these stories, the stories behind the objects. The exhibition itself was in part inspired by an exhibition curated in the British Library, A History of the World in 100 Objects, and similarly A History of Ireland in 100 Objects, curated by On Pust, the Irish Times, the National Museum of Ireland and the Royal Irish Academy. Mostly, however, Irish global solidarity among 100 objects was inspired by stories. Ireland is it's a small country. We've had quite a considerable impact on the world that we live in. We wanted to tell the stories of Ireland's history of solidarity, a perhaps previously undocumented history of change from within Ireland, a history of our activism. So many of these stories go untold or get forgotten, and that was our inspiration for this. For our first episode, I spoke with Kevin Squires of the Ireland-Palestine Solidarity Campaign. Kevin joined the IPSC in 2002 and over the years has held various roles in the organisation from local branch delegate to national secretary and is now the national coordinator. He has travelled to Palestine several times but unfortunately due to the Israel-imposed ban on the entry of leading members of the IPSC to Palestine he has been indefinitely prevented from seeing any friends or colleagues in Palestine. Outside of any Palestinian-related activism for about 20 years or so Kevin's been involved in social, economic, international justice campaigns, anti-fascism, anti-war movements, anything from Western Sahara to water charges here in Ireland. When we put the call out for objects initially to be included in the exhibition, there was a number of people who submitted not just one object, but quite a few. And uh, Kevin was one of those people who submitted a a number of objects um, for the exhibition. Today, We're specifically chatting about one but if you look on the website developmenteducation.ie forward slash 100 objects if you scroll down you'll see um, a couple of other objects that were submitted by Kevin in the IPSC also. But today we're going to chat about the full page ad the IPSC took out in the Irish Times in 2009 in the midst of an unprecedented assault on the Gaza Strip.
1: My name is Kevin Squires. I'm National Coordinator of the Ireland-Palestine Solidarity Campaign. I stand for the human, national, democratic and economic rights of all people. But in particular for me, this means advocating for the rights of the Palestinian people, rights that have been denied them for the past 73 years.
0: Thank you. That gives us a brief insight. So, your object was a full-page ad that was in the Irish Times. And funnily enough, I only realised today, when I was looking at it again, is that it was published almost 12 years ago to the day. So, it was the 31st of January that it was published, and today is the 26th of January. So, it's just that that was a a funny coincidence. Um, Way to make me feel old. (laughs) Tell me about it. So, yeah, it was called The Irish Call for Justice for Palestine. So would you like to tell us a bit more about it, how it came about and some of the context behind all
1: of that? Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'll, I'll start with like the background to it, really. As you said, it's 12 years ago, but sometimes it feels like yesterday. Um, I know, so. I know exactly what you mean, <laughs> um, yeah. But, but then there are, there are people around, like, young people that were like 10, 11 then, so they they probably have no idea of kind of the, the context other than yeah. some, something ephemeral in their mind or something. On the 27th of December... 2008, uh, just a couple of days after Christmas, Israeli occupation forces launched like a, a massive assault on Gaza. And now Gaza, for those who don't know, is a, is a part of Palestine. It's a small kind of enclave on the coast, um, that's kind of separated from from the West Bank, and by by that stage had been under um, a, a kind of a, a military and economic blockade for like about a year and a half at that stage. And this assault began on, on the 27th of December. And th- this assault saw um, around 1,300 Palestinians, the vast majority of them civilians, including 300 children, uh, killed in, in the space of three weeks. So, I mean, the, the assault eventually ended on the, um, I think it was the 16th or the 18th of January. Yeah, it was just um, a... Pretty intense time in That's in exactly terms how of like, I remember yeah. it just
0: being so intense.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it it, it was really like an unprecedented assault in, in in the the long history of Palestine and and Israel. there had been like lots of colonial violence and anti colonial violence and so on, but like this this mass assault on on like a besieged people of you know two million people that are just essentially trapped in in this small space was yeah totally unprecedented. like it 's one of the most densely populated areas of the world I mean, th- that 's kind of like the the immediate background to it to, to like the political background if you like to what yeah, was the going on itself, um, yeah. yeah yeah i mean i 'm just looking I was looking back earlier this morning through kind of all the the press releases and stuff that that we sent out during this time, and like it, it, it struck me like i 'm distanced from it now right twelve twelve years. Um, yeah. But at the time, you know, like, there was just so much going on and there wasn't really processing and stuff. So, you know, there were protests all over the world, but all over Ireland too, like, from, you know, obviously Dublin and Cork and Galway yeah. and Belfast, but, like, and Derry, but, you know, like, places like Leitrim, Donegal, Oma, Lurgan. Um, sure there's others that I'm forgetting, but, you know, there was just, like, this really intense period of activity. This, I think
0: that's this, this one thing period. that actually is why it sticks out in my mind so much is because of the reaction to it. Like at the time, like the assault itself was horrendous, but people who, friends of mine and people I know, people through social media, who previously I would have always thought was never kind of that kind of engaged, I suppose, in issues like this. Everybody was reacting to it and everybody was saying, what do I do? What can I do? There's nothing we can do. And there was all these arguments breaking out online because it's such a polarizing issue and because you know people were seeing innocent people being hurt and killed and and children and the reaction from people was so strong I think it that's that's why it stands out in my mind so much you know
1: yeah yeah I mean it was certainly like there was a run of days like between the the 20s the 28th 20, so like the day after and the the first where there was something on sometimes two or three things on in Dublin mm-hmm. every single day yeah um, incredible. I mean it was it was really crazy and I said, like, I'd forgotten that until I started going through these things. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. So, you know, like, there was um, the sad and striking thing when I was going through those press releases is every day would have a, a death toll, you know, because yeah. they weren't going out to the media. And it was, you know, like 140, 320... Four hundred and ten, six hundred, a thousand, and eventually like one thousand three hundred and eighty. You know, the final number is is disputed, but it's in around one thousand three hundred, one thousand four hundred. Okay. So yeah, just like horrific. They're they're just numbers on a on a sheet, but like they're all they're all people, you know. Yeah, I, think
0: um, I again, like I think that's that's the stuff that sticks with me. Is I remember seeing people posting photographs of the people who had been killed. And uh, like that, like their they're families, their they're normal people going about their day-to-day lives as best they can. And then this stuff is happening, you know? And I think the fact that, yes, people can become jaded by numbers, but the fact that those pictures were so widely published got that reaction and, and stirred something in everyone. Like it, it, it got to everyone, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, definitely that, that was the feeling we had, like there was mass support for for the Palestinian people, solidarity with them, you know, I mean, whatever dramatic and political intricacies, I think people could just see what was happening here, that a really well-armed military force was basically conducting a massacre on mainly civilians. It really wasn't lost on people, and you know, as you say, like, the images been and press releases can say whatever they want, but like images really do speak, speak volumes. Yeah, I mean even like the the protests in Dublin. That like there was well, there was a lot, but there was one big one on the third of January, which had several thousand people at it. Went all around the city, it went from like Central Bank to the EU office on Wall Street down to the Dal then back across the river to the GPO along the way we had a die-in on um, on O'Connell Break it was just you know, looking back at it now I'm just like wow I mean I can't yeah. believe we, we did all that you know we had so little resources and all that. Like there was just like so much anger in, in our society uh, about this you know so yeah
0: yeah, and, yeah. so I suppose to go yeah. back to the actual ad itself yeah like how did that come about and how how did you go where did you start I suppose
1: basically once the kind of The the big demonstrations and all that had had kind of happened and it became clear as we got into the middle of January um, or early to mid-January that there was going to be some class of a ceasefire. You know, it was really just a question of how many more people would die before this was politically... um,
0: Any sort of intervention...
1: Yeah, well, I, not that there was any sort of intervention, because there, there kind of wasn't really. I mean, you know, just that it, it became politically unsustainable for this for this to go on. So, yeah. you know, a, a ceasefire was essentially um, negotiated. But you know, but even before there was a ceasefire, like the, the actions had kind of moved from the large-scale mobilizations to more like boycott, divestment, and sanctions-focused protests on a smaller scale. But like people going into the shops filling up trolleys with like Israeli products or products of companies that are complicit in the in the occupation of Palestine and bringing them up and saying, you know, like, why are you stocking these kind of stuff? You know, all, all yeah. very small, small and symbolic, but I think it was, it was also like showing that people were willing, you know, that they weren't just interested in being on the streets, that, that they were looking for avenues to, to kind of
0: to it? direct. It's their, almost their like, okay, or, now we've done the marches. What's the next step? where Where, yeah. where can we put the pressure now, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. As part of that, kind of our response was like, well, how there is all this anger and there's people looking for stuff to do. So how can we get a message out to them that this is what Palestinians are calling for you to do is, is to engage in, in these kind of boycott activities, and also a message to the Irish government that we we really believe that their response was not adequate to to what we were demanding, what what people in general were demanding. You know, like the, the Irish government's response was basically equivocation and like on both uh, this narrative of both sides and calling for restraint from both sides and you know like I think calling you you know like it it basically equating the the violence of the oppressor and the resistance of the oppressed it's kind of I don't know calling for like restraint in in that situation it's kind of like calling on you know I don't know like a porcupine or something to to show restraint while it's being attacked by you know wolf or something. This was actually the, the the dying days of the the Bush administration, so and just just before Obama came in. Oh my God,
0: um, now I really do feel but, old.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we thought like that. Really, the way to reach most people would, was to take out an ad in the paper. But we also knew that we couldn't afford like an ad in the, in like that was a page five, I think, full page, black and white. Back then, it costs twenty five thousand euro. I'm not sure what it costs now. Um, Janie. Yeah, I know. Basically, we you just had a
0: reach out to like, people, well,
1: did you? Yeah, well, like, we're like, how, well, how how can we fund this? And we're like, well, what if we just ask people to put their everyone's name will go in it, and it, it like a that will show the the depth and breadth of the support, and b it will it, it will help fund it. Mm, you know, so yeah. then it was just basically like this another chaos, for a different type of like chaos and frenetic energy yeah. trying to like to, to get people out so you know just like emailing our supporter base putting it out on like in the media and stuff like that that was that was active back then just people like word of mouth kind of people telling their friends or whatever and yeah like in the end we got like and you know we we basically were asking people to pay 100 euro i think it was for for their name to appear in the end we got like 350 people to sign up amazing which is really amazing yeah like and, and this was all done in like a I think it was a week and a half or something like oh. that. Like some crazy small. I was just going to say of that's time. some turnaround, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it just goes to show the the kind of that the anger and and the frustration and solidarity that was yeah. there. And uh, yeah, and I mean, that's not. <laughs> it's not talking about like the internal issues of like wording and all oh, oh, this, this communist or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, it was a- another crazy time on on top of that, but um. You know, as you said, like it's it's called Irish Call for Justice in Palestine and essentially that's that's what it is. I'm sure you'll probably link in the show notes to the to the full text.
0: The ad itself, I thought I like again, I was looking at it earlier on today, and it is even the design of it is so striking, like to have the the text and the map of Palestine in the middle of it and the names all around the edges of it. I think it just looks really strong. Like you could do so much with that. Uh, in terms of like, obviously, coming from development education, you can do so much with that. In terms of like, just teaching people about even just that issue itself, but the ongoing problems, you know.
1: Yeah, I felt it was really important that that the map be included because it really just showed the kind of. The situation facing Palestinians. Um, the, the map shows, you know, Palestine, historic Palestine before partition, and the UN partition plan. Then, what actually happened after um, 700,000 Palestinians were expelled from from their homeland in in between 1947 and 1949, and then. Obviously, uh, the occupation of nineteen sixty-seven, and 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 then the, the the ever-growing number of settlements, and um, the, the less and less land Palestinians themselves Just actually have, have control of. Shrinking over. away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's it's probably even even smaller now. Again, yeah, and you know, I
0: remember a, a lot of people late, at the time were using the map to kind of show. So at the time, I was living in Bray, and I remember people. You know, putting putting Bray into the map of Palestine just to show kind of how the, the size difference and to make it relative to people to kind of just understand, it was very powerful image. And I know, like there was a few like that. You know, just
1: yeah, yeah, great idea. Um, I you know, I, I know. At some some point, the the Worker Solidarity Group, which is like that the anarchist organization here, they kind of did a variant on it, which was like if if this was Ireland. And showed like how much.
0: Yeah, I think I saw like, that one too. Actually, like, like in, in
1: proportion, yeah. yeah, yeah, powerful,
0: powerful so, uh, message.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, but the the text itself. I mean, there there's basically a very very short history of Palestine, and then a kind of a brief overview of the current situation, and then the demands, which are, you know, most of them are aimed at the Irish government to, to stop stop the arms trade, stop its arms trade with Israel, to act against the construction of illegal settlements to to call for the expulsion of Israel from the EuroMed agreement, which is the it's, it's, I'm not going to get into yeah, the Yeah, answer, but right. yeah, but yeah. It's, it's it's an agreement between Israel and the EU that grants Israel kind of special, um, like tariff-free trading. Okay, I know it's really exciting stuff, isn't yeah, it? Look, Art, there's plenty of people who of,
0: appreciate that detail. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but Article Two of that, you know, kind of conditions the the agreement on. Uh, respect for uh, human rights and democracy—I think—is exact words, um, which it says is an essential part of this agreement. But obviously, you know, it, it's not essential at all, yeah. because Israel has never been suspended, even suspended, never mind expelled from this, despite its daily breaches of or daily human rights violations or breaches of international law, all, all recognised by the European Union and by the Irish government. But hey, you know, there's a lot of hand wringing going on. Yeah,
0: unfortunately.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, the, the last line is aimed at people in Ireland calling them to, to boycott Israeli goods and services until Israel fulfills its obligations under international law, which, uh, you know, is, is, is still a demand of of the movement. All of those, by the way, are still demands of the movement. Just look looking, I gave it a quick, like, I haven't looked at this really in any depth in 12 years or whatever. Um, yeah even though I sent you guys on the thing, I didn't like study it really or anything, but um, just going through the the names on it, there's a lot of well-known people like Robert Balla, Donald Loney, Christy Moore, and then a few TDs, one of whom uh, listeners will probably recognize the name now is uh, Michael D. Higgins, um, who was now uh, president of Ireland, was at one time actually a, a patron of the, of the IPSC back when we had patrons. Yeah. And it's like Mary Lou MacDonald is there, Jerry Adams what's his name, Daryl O'Brien, who I think now is the Minister for Housing, is that correct?
0: Oh, I, th- I thought you meant Darrow uh, O'Brien the comedian. Oh there no, no, Darryl, the,
1: no, Daryl <laughs> O'Brien TD. Uh, the housing probably, Minister. Yeah. yeah, Chris Andrews, who was a Fianna Fáil TD at that time, but is now Sinn um, now Féin, and uh, a whole bunch of other kind of Ivana Bacic, and you know, just a whole bunch of like other political yeah. figures. There's some connection and then, the name, so... Sure. Yeah, then, you know, a bunch of trade unions, people. But really, like, the, the most striking thing about it is just, like, the mid- vast majority of those people are just ordinary people that, you know, just said, like, yeah, I'll give you 100 euro, and it's important that people, other people see this message. So it was really interesting thing to do. We've never done anything like it before or since. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was well, based on the, the amount of calls and stuff that we got afterwards and the amount of hate mail and stuff.
0: Well, it's funny you, should, funny you mentioned that. That was actually going to be one of my questions, because as I mentioned previously, like this is such a polarizing issue for some people. Um, anything to do with Palestine and Israel it really is. And I was going to ask you, clearly there was lots of support based on just the list of names that are there in the ad. But what was the main reaction? Like, obviously, there would have been backlash, too. So what were the reactions? To it. yeah
1: i mean like overwhelmingly positive people ring in or, or email in the office saying fair play a lot of people wanting to make donations to palestine to charities and stuff. like a lot of people well i say a lot you know like maybe 10 12 people that yeah. thought we were like a charity and wanted to give us money and then you're like yeah no, that's the thing not, people want yeah. to do
0: something practical that they've yeah, yeah, yeah. given to this you
1: know yeah, but you know we're we're not we're not a a, cha- a charity and we, we don't do direct aid to Palestine like that. So you know you just direct mm. them to, to organisations that do. But pushback, I mean, there wasn't a lot. There was some kind of nasty emails and that. But that's like I hesitate to say it's standard, but like we we get a lot of that kind of stuff. And and when something like this happens, it you can see like the volume increases, and yeah. then then subsides well, but like, right there in, in the
0: public eye you know yeah. hard to avoid it i suppose
1: yeah so you know i won't say any of the things that they called us um but i can
0: imagine
1: yeah i mean some of them are, are unrepeatable in polite company <laughs> but <laughs> but like like i said you know like that that's it's just par for the course for, for the work that we do and i'm sure anyone that's engaged in not just in this issue but other, other issues where there are like really strong feelings on both sides that that that's it's it's just it's just normal and you know at a certain point I mean I, I've been in the job then a year and a half or something like that um oh actually what am I saying uh sorry no it was actually just about uh, eight months but I've been a, I, I've been involved in the IPSC since uh, 2002 like so you know none of this was new to me and yeah, you know yeah. it's just like just take it on the chin and move on like it's not never really felt like someone was going to do, carry through on the threats you know yeah, that were made that or it whatever. just comes
0: with the territory yeah,
1: yeah exactly so yeah but like overwhelmingly the, the response was was hugely positive and mm. you know people still talk about this or they, they talk in hollow tones about this no not like that but it still, it still comes up you know it's just, oh i remember you guys had that uh that that, that, that that advert in the paper yeah, would you, would you yeah. be thinking about doing something like that again? And I'm nearly crying going, Oh, that really destroyed me. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> the stress you know, of that. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, um, no, I mean, it, you know, like it, it was a particular time, a particular moment. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying it can never be done again, but like, I think it's,
0: well, it's hard to replicate that. And then you're putting it, you're putting a certain amount of pressure on something that clearly was so successful and got such a good reaction. Then, like you're kind of, I don't know, expectations are even more heightened then. And yeah, I don't know, as you say, it's pressure and stress and.
1: Yeah. 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 And
0: like. It was what it was for the time that it was.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like the efficacy probably decreases if, if like, well, certainly, you know, if we did it now again, yeah, possibly, but. You know the more the more you repeat something then the the efficacy decreases you know so it's like oh they they have another ad where why don't they they do other things or whatever you know so and you know like we're not particularly interested in taking out adverts in the Irish Times we're yeah. more interested in doing doing the activism that we do of which this was one small part you know the
0: day-to-day stuff yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so just to just to ask you about the, the boycott and divestment stuff, do you feel like the boycott movement has gained a good bit of traction since that point? Do you think it's it needs to be ramped up more just to, a, a, I suppose, general reflection on where it stands now? Um, and yeah. I mean, I don't know if I don't even know how you can measure that kind of thing. But I just I suppose from feedback and talking to people and and that kind of thing. I know it's something that I'm conscious of, but I would be maybe more aware
1: yeah, sure. Well I mean it's important to remember I think that like in in early two thousand and nine, like the the boycott movement or the the, the, the call that came from Palestine that, from the, the the Palestine BDS movement was only like three, three and a half years old at that stage. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, it wasn't widely known and, and, and whatnot. But I, I really think that, that this this assault on Gaza Kind of galvanize people in support of it. Like I, I think a lot of it is is due to like the the inaction of like especially Western governments to what happened. Like if I can quote human rights reports at you. I can tell you to go and read X, Y, and Z or whatever. Right? Oh, it's all out there. It's not like it's not controversial that horrendous things were done during this this assault. Like from the U.N. to Amnesty, Human Rights Watch, whatever. Beth and is very very good. But the point is, nothing was ever done about it yeah. by anyone. No one has faced justice for these appalling war crimes. So when it becomes clear that, you know, despite huge public opposition, not just in Ireland but like all over the world, there were huge protests. I, I talk about Western governments because we live in a Western democracy, where we're a part of the EU, and it's not to let other states off the hook, but just that's that's where that's the perspective I'm talking that's from. That's your perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that these Western governments who who claim to be all about the rule of law, democracy, human rights, international law, and so on, well, you know, where's the evidence that, that they actually believe in any of that stuff? BDS, on the other hand, gives ordinary, everyday people a, a channel to, 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 to divert their, their anger and their solidarity, their love, all that kind of stuff t- towards trying to... In some way, help the Palestinian struggle for freedom. It BDS is not of, of in and of itself going to end like uh, is, Israel's oppression of Palestinian people, but it can play a role, just like the the global boycott campaign against uh, apartheid South Africa played a role, but like it, yeah, did, it didn't end gonna, it. I was
0: just going to mention that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, it was a significant role, and you know, even the leaders of the the freedom movement in South Africa, like. Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu, Ronnie Castro, it's all these people, like they, they acknowledged that the power, on, on, and even even above the symbolic and the, the whatever economic and cultural power there was, and that it was the fact that South Africans knew that they weren't alone. Black South Africans. Yeah. I like, knew that they weren't You've alone. taken that, the words that, yeah. out of
0: my mouth. I was just about to say it's it's important to it's it's that reaching out and it's that knowing that somebody else is out there standing with you yeah. on this.
1: Yeah, and I mean ju- just to say like whether BTS has, has grown like it's it's unquestionably has grown since then because I said like it was it wasn't really well known then. And yeah. that now we're at a stage where Israel State is pumping like millions and millions of dollars every year to fight BDS. To what, what was what's the phrase they use to civilly assassinate BDS right. leaders? Yeah, no, like, like it's black black propaganda and, and, and whatnot. You know, dirty tricks. Obviously, you, you know, like again, like we're we're used to this, but the efforts have have ramped up. There there are now you know like attempts to kind of criminalize Pal- Palestine solidarity uh, activism. You know, with states that strongly support Israel moving towards these these measures, like in the U.S., we'll see what what a Biden presidency means there. But certainly under Trump,
0: yeah, it'd be interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I personally don't have a lot of a lot of hope in the Biden administration on Palestine. But I don't think hope it won't be as bad as the Trump administration, which was like an unmitigated disaster for, for Palestinians.
0: Absolutely well, sending, sending, wasn't it Jared Kushner? Wasn't he given, given the job to yeah. sort everything out? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean like essentially under Trump, the, the rule of the, the, even the pretense of the rule of law was, was discarded and the, the rule of power and might just became the, like the, the reality. It was like, well, we can do this. So we're doing it. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that like that's dangerous, not just for Palestinians. That's dangerous for, everybody who believes in human rights and international law because if if you can do it in Israel then you can do it anywhere. You just say, Well no, we, we have bigger guns, so tough luck. Once
0: that precedent is set yeah. then yeah.
1: Exactly. So yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of I, I, I guess my, my thoughts on, on BDS. Well, I, I would encourage all your um, all your listeners to, to to get involved in BDS, and uh, you know you don't have to get involved in the Ireland Palestine and solidarity campaign, but you just. You know, there are there's like academics for Palestine, students for justice in Palestine, trade union friends of Palestine. You know, there's there's so many different avenues for people if that that want to get involved, and I would encourage people to to do so.
0: Yeah, and actually, sorry, just while you're talking there, um, something that just popped into my head was the movie Five Broken Cameras. Have you seen that one? I have yeah, yeah. And just it it just gives a really good insight as to what people are dealing with well from my opinion I mean you might you, you might disagree but I, I definitely thought it was a really interesting insight
1: yeah no it's 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 a really great film because it's not like um how do I put this it's not like hard politics yeah it's it's the story of
0: it's literally uh, this fell on his camera yeah
1: yeah exactly um and uh you know it was it was nominated for an Oscar and everything so even that yeah. You know, and they were, denied, they were
0: denied access weren't they when they yeah, I, I went think, to the airport in yeah, America I think, for the yeah. Oscars?
1: I think Michael Moore yeah, had think. to intervene or something and, and I think he got there in the end but it's, oh God, it's like five years ago now or something so I don't really remember.
0: No, but yeah, it's just mentioned that for people yeah, gra- to, great uh, film. to Definitely check it out. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think you can probably stream I think it. it's on YouTube.
0: I have a feeling, yeah. I'm not 100% sure but I have a feeling it's on YouTube my last question that I'm going to ask you and then I will leave you with that is do you have any advice for others who are doing this type of thing who are campaigning or who are looking for an in or just not necessarily knowing where to start or where to begin do you have any advice or tips or who's saying I want to do something but I don't know what to do or where to start
1: where to start? No pressure. Well, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no I mean, like, well, I mean, where where to start is like, you know, well, what are the 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 the, the well, what? Are the concerns that you have? What interests you? Is it in the environment? Is it Western Sahara? Is it Palestine? Is it the EU trade? Because there there are organisations that that deal with all of these things. And so I would suggest, what's your passion, and then. Like once once you understand that, then you you try and find an organisation that that fits your you know what what you're particularly interested in. And of course, if, if there's not one, there, I mean, like the Ireland Palestine Solidarity Campaign didn't always exist. Like it had to be created. Mm. So yeah. and and like all all these organisations, call of or whatever, you know, like they they didn't just magic into existence. So you know, try to create one. There there are people that can help give advice on you know, all the boring administration stuff, or whatever, constitutions <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, I've, I've helped groups out with this kind of stuff because it's
0: all part and parcel yeah, like, of it really. isn't. Yeah. It? I mean,
1: I've been doing this for 20 years now and like I have, or, or you know, it's not just me, like, but people, you know, that have been around a long time have all this experience of setting stuff up. But what I really would say is like struggles aren't one in a day. They may not be one in a year. They may not be one in, in 10 years. They, they may not be won in 50 years, but they have to be won because we, we need, we need a world that that's, that's just that we, we can like be proud of what's, what's the say? Like you should try and leave the world in a better place than, than, than when you arrived into it. So, I mean, I, I think yeah. that's, that's really, and even if you don't win, if you're, if you're annoying all the right people, well then that's good too, because you know, those people should be annoyed. <laughs> By, by the the little people as they see them you know yeah so I mean a fr- friend of mine once said, said to me that, that life is a struggle but that's a good thing and I kind of I kind of agree you know that like if if you're not struggling for something in life then you know you're kind of kind of resigned to like just doing nothing and letting things go on the way they are and in I say now fifty years if we don't um if we don't turn the clock back on like global warming and then you know, we're we're not going to be in a good
0: place. No,
1: absolutely so, not. Yeah, so that's that's no. my advice. I mean, I can't say it's good advice or the best advice, but you know, that's that's what I have to say.
0: No, well, it's appreciated absolutely. There's, I definitely think there's some good advice in there for anyone not knowing where to start, for sure. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to chat to me today, and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed engaging with you on this and thank you for your contribution to the exhibition as well it was it was a great piece to have in there among the other pieces you what that was the only one that you uh contributed but um yeah thank you yeah, well, appreciate it yeah, th-
1: thank you i mean that's that's the curse of the uh the compulsive archiver is i just had like all this stuff is still <laughs> just in the office and like i i like first of all i'd like to thank you for inviting me on, on the show today but um, I'd also like to, to really thank you guys for putting on the, the exhibition in the first place. I, I, I think I told you in an email, it was like the last event I went to. Sorry, the second last event I went to.
0: I know, the uh, last public outing. Yeah, like, it's just be, insane when be, you think about it now. Pand-
1: yeah, before the pandemic. <laughs> and before uh, we've all been
0: locked down. Yeah,
1: Shiny. but it was um, it was a, a really we, a mighty exhibition. and like I, I, We I, made it
0: by the skin of our teeth
1: yeah yeah (laughs) but like i i felt so kind of inspired coming out of it like because there's like a a lot of stuff in there that stuff that we now in 20 whatever we are in 2021 now but you know that's kind of inspirational to us and to see like especially the the stuff around the the anti-apartheid the irish anti-apartheid movement which is like a big inspiration in fact some of the same people are like that set that up are, are are involved in IPSC. Yeah,
0: I'm not surprised by
1: that. Yeah, but it's just it was so like an honour to be in the same exhibition as uh, as as a lot of these these things, you know. Well,
0: yeah, really, thank you. Certainly, music to my ears. Thank you. It's <laughs> nice. It's nice to hear that. And, and
1: everyone, yeah, to... everyone should check it out online because uh, it's it's up there online for everyone to see. Oh
0: good.
1: Thanks for the plug. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing your promo for you. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can tell I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. The brown paper
0: envelopes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And
1: uh, you can follow me on Twitter on this and my Patreon is this. And I don't, I don't have a Patreon or a Twitter. Uh, but if you do want to follow IPSC on Twitter, we're at IPSC48. And we're on Facebook and our website is www.ipsc.ie. Great. there you go. Kevin,
0: thanks. It's been a pleasure thanks a lot look after yourself alright
1: I will you too stay safe
0: take care thanks again to Kevin for joining us our very first guest on the podcast and what an object to start with too it was great to chat to Kevin again most especially because it was during lockdown and it was someone outside of my own four walls but seriously it was a pleasure watch this space for our next episode with a very special guest